0: I am now joined by George Loggenis, longtime TV personality, former TV anchor. Uh, we're going to run down some of the top headlines of this week. Of this week, hey George, thanks for joining me. Hey
1: Maggie, it's good to be on the air with you. How are you?
0: Good, good. You know, I just have to say, George, I grew up listening and watching you, so it is a pleasure to have you on the show. I'm so grateful that you're. doing Oh, it is today.
1: mine. It is all my <laughs> pleasure. By the way, talking about the weather, what's the definition of Canadian summer?
0: rain? I don't know. <laughs> what is it?
1: I, five weeks of bad skiing. I
0: uh, love it. I use that
1: every time. <laughs> love year. it. Love it. It's it, it. it it no laps at all, but there we go.
0: There you go. Okay. I understand that you are a big sports fan. Uh, and then, oh, Maggie, right? I live
1: for sports and food and okay. life of my life. I love sports. I'm uh <laughs> A total jock uh, (laughs) and all that stuff. Yeah, big. I mean, this is the most glorious time of the year, too, right? It's playoffs and everything's happening, but so much going down.
0: Yeah. So big news yesterday. Nick Nurse, head coach of the Raps, is Uh, out. Uh, Not a surprise for those who have been kind of paying attention and watching what has been happening on the team. What does this Mm -hmm. mean for the Raptors, you think?
1: You know, Maggie, honestly, I think it's just the beginning. Yeah. Uh, The last mini thing uh, like this happened was five years ago and you know dwayne casey was beloved in this town yep. sweetheart of a guy great coach decent pedigree and it was not long after that that shook things up and it was not long after that that the biggest trade in the history of the team was was made uh when we brought in Kawhi for yep. DeMar and you know we know what happened there chip yep. uh the raptors went on to win that championship and you know the thing is they've kind of been resting on that for a while you know the nostalgia but the shine has worn off you know, and, it's a to win now league and somebody had to go and it was likely going to be the coach first. He's going to land just fine, right? There's all this talk that he's probably going to end up in Houston. Yeah. They need a coach still got a year left on his $8 million a year contract. So he leaves with cash. We got in the wrong line of work. Clearly he was <laughs> right. Oh uh, yeah. And it's, I honestly think it's just the beginning. I think because the Raptors, uh, you know, they have a, a pretty decent core, but there's a lot of free agency, uh, within that core. Yeah. Fred yeah. OG, and nobody, um, uh, per- uh, Jakob Pertl, who they just uh, got near the end of the season on the trade deadline. All these guys are uh, free agents. They could go. I don't know if anybody's untouchable in the Raptors. You know, I'm a, I'm, I'm a Siakam fan. I'm an OG and an Obi fan. But they have to do something, I think, dramatic and change the culture. Because that was those were the words, right, that stood out to me in, in Masai Ujiri's press conference. Oh, culture. yeah. Absolutely. It's- and to me, it's- too. I- I-
0: and, it's not working right now. Yeah. And when Masai said that he didn't enjoy watching Raptors basketball mm-hmm. this season, I think he put his finger on something that all of us were feeling. I mean, we are big basketball fans in our home, and we didn't watch that much Raptors basketball this season either. How did you mm. feel? Did you, did you feel like they, were, they had lost some of their passion yeah, the uh, the
1: luster was you know they were they would win one lose two and it's not so much just the winning losing look we as Raptors fans and Toronto sports fans we suffer through a lot of losing seasons <laughs> we got used know, to it yeah it, <laughs> or you jump on and off the bandwagon so much you get busy. yeah but I you know look we we are as much a, a basketball as a hockey town now the culture is is so strong we're a factory for basketball in fact in the GTA we produce so much talent yep. on the women's side. Uh, Across North America and all the leagues, pro, semi, whatever. It, uh, I think it just—you could see it in the teams, uh, the way they carried themselves on the court. It wasn't—they just weren't having a good time. Yeah. And winning, you know, is the best deodorant, right? It solves everything if you can do that. But there are teams that are basically struggling, 500 that that squeaked into the playoffs that are doing really well now because they've got a—they've got cohesion with the coaching staff, the management, and the players on the floor. So. It's yeah, something's got to change, and, and again, it's been four years since the, the championship, right? It's nostalgia, but we, it's time to you know stumble forward.
0: Yeah. People have moved on. We need to as well. We need to be a winning team as well. Okay, let's talk about the Leafs. So I found this interesting. Uh, Angus Reid's study uh, found that one quarter of Canadians say Toronto has the best chance of winning, uh, mm-hmm. while close to the same number, 23%, say uh, Edmonton Oilers are the team to bring oh. the Cup back to Canada. Um, 3% choose Winnipeg uh, as being uh, a winner, obviously, jumps up to 30% among manitoba fans uh is this the year for the leafs
1: oh boy <laughs> you're asking a guy who's been waiting a long time and you know, this fan base shell-shocked right i mean it's just been this culture of losing yeah. people freak out at this time of year the fan base is very fragile it's been 19 years for anyone that's not aware out there in uh radio land that uh, the leafs have gone past <laughs> the first round 55 years since they won a cup, look, Maggie. I I come from a household where you either cheered for the Leafs or get out of here. And I I'm an old dude, and I've got a picture somewhere in my sister's photo album of me in diapers still when the Leafs won their last cup. My dad holding me up with a stubby beard in his hand after they pulled it off in '67. So you know I was a two-year-old there. It's it's they have look they have the talent. They've had the talent for the last six years with this. Yeah. Big four roster. Um, but it's all about emotion, effort, energy, execution. They have more of those kind of gritty, grindy, sandpaper players mm-hmm. that they didn't have in past years uh, Riley and uh, Shen and Achari. So they added pieces. Now they just got to execute, right? And forget the past. Have amnesia.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Um, what's Well,
1: the- they can do it. They've done it. They did it yesterday. I mean, that game uh, a couple of days ago. What a talk about flipping the script! They lose seven three, then they win seven two. Yeah, go figure. It out. What
0: yeah. What's the series at right now? Is it one one? One one. Yeah,
1: game three tonight in Tampa. Okay. So um, a change of venue favors the uh, the home team. Yeah. Right. And look, they're, they they uh, they took their zombie pills because they were basically ghosts in <laughs> that first game. They got stooged, to put it lightly, uh, and it was embarrassing. Uh, everything, nothing worked. in fact, they I haven't been only been to a couple of games this year. and the crowd can be kind of uh, uppity mm-hmm. at the bank, not into it as much as as you might see in other arenas, but uh, they got booed off the ice every period. Wow. it was it was hard to watch, but the terrible towels were you know flying the the noise was uh, great in game two. So look, we this town needs a winner again, and we got the Argos. TFC is looking pretty good. They've only lost one game so far this year. Uh, We need Leafs to at least get past the first round. Let's baby steps, right? Yeah.
0: I I love that you described the crowd as being uppity. I was going to say you have to be a millionaire in order to afford a Leafs ticket these days. So, you know. It is sweet. It's, it's quite expensive. All right. Let's let's move on to another sport, the sport of politics. Uh, Pierre yeah, Polyev, yeah. Uh, the leader of and the Federal that's Conservatives. A sport too. <laughs> right? A little bit, yeah. Uh, Pierre Polyev called the PM quote a freeloader, criticizing his Jamaican vacation over the Christmas holidays, which cost us, the taxpayers, 162000 dollars which mostly went to cover security personnel. Uh, sure. but but there is Criticism because apparently he stayed at a family friend's home that who have also uh, donated to the uh, Trudeau Foundation in the past, and then we know all of the scandal around that. How does this make the PM look?
1: Look, the optics are not great for Prime Minister Trudeau, right, Meg? Yeah. I mean, especially after you, you know, just look at the track record the Aga Khan Bahamas, yep, uh, fiasco, the Indian trip, that cultural appropriation, embarrassment, yep. The Queen's funeral, not long ago, six thousand a night mm-hmm. for room rentals when they could have saved cheaper. Look, the expenses add up, and you, you mentioned what what comes with a, a, a trip for a, a world leader. Look, RCMP detail, uh, official PMO plane, crew staff, etc. These things are are baked in. Right. But Polyev has a problem with the whole freeloader catcall thing in Parliament. Was the 80 grand or so that goes towards the luxury rooms, the accommodations. Yeah. And then he's saying, hey, look, when I go on a vacation, uh, you know, I, I paid my way. I paid my own way. Trudeau was coming back saying, look, do you not comprehend the, the concept of friendship? <laughs> We're <laughs> friends with the Green family. We I've been there dozens of times over my, the span of my life, only twice as a politician, once as an MP, and once as prime minister. And it, it goes back to childhood. As you said, they're, they're, the, the Trudeau's... Have been family friends with the Greens forever. And uh, donations come to the foundation. And you know, true prime minister says, Yeah, look, I have nothing to do with that. That's that's their business, how they spend their money philanthropically. But uh, but in terms of that 80,000 bucks and the accommodations, they're they're asking the PC or the, the conservatives rather asking, to pay it back. Yeah. And you know, Trudeau kind of hit back, trying to deflect in and in, uh, in the house saying uh that Polyev got uh Elon Musk to interfere with the CBC's independent journalistic integrity on Twitter and you know, change that channel. Uh, by the way, that that's been, that's since been removed. Yeah, the, it has. Uh, Corporate funded thing. Elon Musk, I mean, with the space thing and everything else, does he have nothing better to do? He just messes <laughs> around. he's getting
0: into AI now. So that's the next thing. Yeah, 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 right. Well, he blew that
1: one, right? He gave off. Yeah. He sold his AI. And now he's realizing, oh, I should listen to Bill yeah. Gates. Gates said all along, back in the old days, in the nineties, that it's AI, it's robotic PR,
0: personal robots, That's the future, not the computer. So, yeah, Elon. Uh, On on the topic of ethics, the interim ethics commissioner has resigned, and this is after concerns arose that Martin Richard's uh, being related to Dominic LeBlanc, the uh, intergovernmental affairs minister, uh, of which he was found guilty of breaking federal ethics laws in 2018 by the ethics commissioner's office back then, uh, but the fear is that this can stop investigations from moving forward, like the one we just discussed, you know, the Jamaica trip. Thoughts on this? Uh, like, I mean, I feel like this is a really important job that we just need to, we need to fill this hole, we need to have somebody in here, because there continue to be, uh, you know, ethics concerns and issues over and over and over again with this government.
1: Agreed. Yeah, well, for the time being, uh, Trudeau's travel... Uh, tally
0: yeah.
1: it's, it's going to be fodder for uh the haggling in, in the house of commons because if the conservatives want to pursue a, a, a formal probe and submit a request to the ethics commissioner commissioner for an inquest it is going to have to wait i mean they can take they can take in the evidence they can take in the information and the office can look at it but there'll be no decision because as you said the ethics commission has an a commissioner has an ethics problem yeah <laughs> three weeks into the gig i mean this stuff writes itself. This is not the kind of thing we typically see in this country, these layers of, of scandal. I mean, yeah, being the sister of the, of the, uh, intergovernmental affairs mm-hmm. minister who himself, as you said, breached, had a breach of conflict uh, of interest rules back in 2018. It just makes you wonder why this kind of stuff wasn't vetted ahead of time. And, and what, a, what a waste of time, three weeks into this, into this job now, and they're going to have to start from scratch. Yeah, and there are people you know waiting in the wings that could do the job, but look, Mario uh, Dion was the last permanent commissioner we had, and and five, a full five senior liberals were found in violation of ethics laws within that uh, tenure, and that includes LeBlanc, Trudeau, Ng Fergus, Morneau. Uh, this is. This is absolute mana from heaven for the conservatives and for Pierre Poilievre, right? Yeah. This is the kind of stuff that he gets to pound the liberals with as he tries to uh, shore up his support and not just the party support across the country as we get ready for a potential snap election before 2025, but also his standing because he still trails Trudeau in terms of popularity as potential prime minister, but maybe not for long.
0: Yeah, absolutely. I think uh, the fact that there have been uh, five senior liberals in violation of ethics laws, I know that uh, Mr. Dion had said before he was leaving the role of ethics commissioner that he was open to doing one-on-one workshops with people so that they mm. understood the ethics of being a senior leader in government. I mean, there is, a, there is an issue here when it comes to the liberals and being able to follow Ethics and the laws uh, and the and the seriousness of the roles they play as senior members of our government.
1: Indeed, and when it comes to the ethics commission job, the salary is being cut by 110k. So you know, a lot of civil servants who already have a pretty cushy gig, mm. hours and it's pretty established. Maybe, maybe they don't want to get into this hot bath. Yeah, <laughs> it's not comfy, you know, it's it's a boiling one, not a nice, comfy, warm one.
0: Okay, uh, I was going to talk about the science center, but w- as you talked about that, I thought let's move to the to the strike. So over a okay. hundred thousand public service workers are on strike. Uh, they're asking for a thirteen point five percent wage increase over three years and flexibility to work from home. I don't know about you, but this sounds pretty cushy to me. Um, and and not, not everybody sure. is sympathetic. Uh, to this I mean the government has uh, pushed back and and has refused the 13.5% but has said that they would give no higher than 9% of a wage increase Um, you know just for for our listeners sake uh, these were the majority of these workers earn between 50k and 75k per year what are your thoughts on this
1: Look, yeah, it's 13.5% is what the union is looking for over five years, government offering nine. Yeah. Um, started at 22.5% yeah. just before the talk. So, you know, it was way up there. I mean, that was unrealistic. Look, the negotiations are are at a standstill. There's no face-to-face bargaining that's happened since Tuesday. The union leader uh, yesterday in the press, Mark Briere saying he's fed up. Uh, many workers who, you know, honestly, I think Maggie willingly joined the rank and file on the picket and past mm-hmm. strikes, uh, other you know unions for other employment, maybe a little bit anxious now, given inflation, uh, mortgage payments, That's the cool. economy, cost of living, taking a look at what they make and what's going on in the world. And yeah, I, I agree with you. Maybe a lot of them are thinking, maybe not the best time. And this could be reflected in this statistic. Only a third of members voted in the strike vote. Yeah. Uh, compare that to the Ontario just last fall with the education workers, had eighty percent of their membership come out to vote. Yeah. So you know, um, look, uh, the federal messaging is to remote workers, those remote union workers. Hey, if you don't want to join the picket, you can still log on, work, get your full pay. Uh, you know, it's a bit of a virtual end around to undermine the solidarity, but it could it could work. The NDP also, when it comes to back to work legislation, says we're not doing it. The conservatives have been sort of, you know, noncommittal. So this could go on for a while. I don't, I don't think it will. I don't think they can afford to because it's the largest federal public service work stoppage in over 30 years.
0: Yeah. And it's impacting passport processing um, as well, which a lot of people are upset about. This is supposed to be one of the highest, um, you know, years for travel um, that we've seen post-pandemic. Uh, So, you know, just the impact on this will be significant. Okay, let's move on to the Science Centre. We all know of the province's plan now to move the Science Centre to Ontario Place. Uh, The people of Flemington Park were not consulted, as well as Thorncliffe. I think they should have. This just makes sense. This is just like 101 teaching of like, if you're going to move something as significant from a community that is a source of people coming there, transportation, so forth, then you should consult to the people that live in the community. That seems like a no-brainer to me. How about you, George? It sure does, but you know what?
1: Uh, Ford administrations going back to uh, the late Rob Ford and City <laughs> Hall and the brother Doug are not known for uh, keeping, uh, necessarily keeping their word on consultations and, and uh, public deputation. Uh, look, th- there's a lot of accusations of back of napkinism with this thing that yep. it just kind of fast tracked through there. Frankly, I mean, you're, you're a Toronto person. Are you Maggie? Did you,
0: born, you, born you, here. I don't live in Toronto anymore, but I was born and raised here. Yeah. Burlington now, right. You're born,
1: born and raised. Yeah. So I'm an Owen sound kid. I came from up north, not yep. too far, but you know, we took field trips to the science center for me. It was all an Ontario place as a kid. These are iconic locations, but they're kind of relics, right? Yeah. Of, a, of the past cultural mosaic mores of a, a half century ago. But they're both important places. And for me, I like architecture. And I think the the Moriyama building, it may be
0: old.
1: Mm. Doug says it's run down, but he says it's just time to demolish it. He's that kind of guy, right? He's like, let's just get rid of the old stuff and newer is better. But Ontario Place, look, it is such a primo piece of real estate by the lake. And it's been frustrating for me as a Torontonian living here since the early 80s when I came to go here to university. Um, you know, I used to go to sit in on council meetings, Metro Council, pre-amalgamation with field trips for Ryerson when yeah. I was seeking radio and TV there. And, and the, the conversations that I, you know, I look at old notes, it's exactly the same conversations they're still having today about the gardener, about transit. Absolutely. This like Ontario Place, you know, we've fallen behind or they're falling apart. We don't want to lose a generation. We did. We lost an entire generation of doing nothing. And, you know, I used to go to press conference after press conference with different, with you know the the Ray government, the Wynne government, and they're having these huge um, mock-ups done, reimagined Ontario Place green space, the new Central Park. Now it's going to be a thermal spa. At least it's not going to be a casino or a brothel. like <laughs> We heard some people in Toronto Council talk about before, it's, but this spa, this foreign-owned spa, thermal spa, is going yeah. to be the hub of Ontario Place. Half the size it used to be. But I don't know where science fits into that. And for me, I would like to have seen the science center stay where it was because it's it's a part it's, it's a part of that hood. Yeah, and it's part of that
0: hood. I just you know the back and forth with Ontario Place. I feel like a decision just needs to be made. Right? No one is ever going to be happy with whatever <clears throat> decision is going to be made. Again, you know there are those who think the spot. Actually, I have to say I have not yet met one person except for our premier, and I haven't met him, but I've heard him talk about how great the spa is going to be. But besides him, I haven't met anybody in Toronto that actually is in favor of the spa. I don't know. Um, I is anybody going, yeah, oh, my God, the spa. Right? That- Nobody's excited and, like, waiting, bed of breath, for, for the spa <laughs> to be built. But, um, I mean, no one's ever going to be happy with whatever the decision is going to be, but I feel like let's just make a decision, let's commit to it, and let's move on. Because... Yeah. We need to move sure. on.
1: Yeah. And it's gotta include and they've said it will, affordable housing, some green space, kind of mixed use development. Yeah. But you know, when we when we heard infrastructure minister Kinga Surma questioned about it, there's no public cost disclosed on how it's gonna be what it's gonna take to demolish and or move Ontario Place. They only said it's gonna be cheaper to move it than to renovate the existing building. Well that's you know, that's that's kind of hot air, right? Because yeah. these things Go cost overrun. It's going to cost more. It's going to take longer. They always do. Yeah. Moving the science center. Don Mills and Eglinton because that's where it belongs to me.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Moving the science center or keeping it. George, it has been a pleasure. Thank you so much for joining us on Toronto this weekend. I love your show. Thank you. Thank you. Thanks for being on. That was George Lagogenes, longtime TV personality, uh, going through some of the top headlines of this week. A lot, a lot to discuss.